Welcome to Evolve. My name is Brandon Silver and I believe that evolution of the world requires evolution of the individual. I believe entrepreneurs are consistently changing that world and we always will be. So with this show I will bring you the people and ideas with tools necessary to hack your growth in your business and your life. Together let's ask the world's biggest question, build businesses to solve them, and live happy and fulfilling lives in the process. It's time to evolve. Hey everyone and welcome to Evolve. Today's guest is a multi-passionate millennial business coach, entrepreneur, influencer, speaker, and highly successful blogger who has become a voice for a generation who has checked all the boxes of what it means to be an adult but are still unfulfilled. Her blog, The Confused Millennial and The Confused Millennial Podcast, receives thousands of unique visitors each day and has been defined as one of the hottest Gen Y feeds online covering topics such as work-life balance, career, entrepreneurship, and lifestyle hacks. She's written for or been featured in some of the top online business publications on the planet, including Forbes, Fast Company, Britain Co., Monster, Levo, Daily Worth, Business Daily, Career Builder, and many, many more. But success has not come without the journey. After getting fired twice in one month, building a career, coaching business that was actually someone else's dream and having a quarter life crisis. She had a lightning bolt moment of clarity in 2016 that she was just another confused millennial. And with that, she bought the domain name and was live within 48 hours posting blog posts calling out the truth of the coaching industry and letting her clients know that she the struggle was real for her as well. Since then, she has led thousands of millennials along their journey to figure out this whole adulting thing. I'm honored to welcome a woman who has shown that you can still watch Ellen DeGeneres every day and be a successful entrepreneur, founder and CEO of the Confused Millennial, Rachel Ritlock. Thank you so much for that introduction. That's really the most amazing introduction I've ever had. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, uh, you have quite an amazing story and it was really awesome to you know dive into your world and start hearing about you because... Um, I felt sort of like a kindred spirit to you. Um, I have a very similar story because I had gotten a master's degree, checked all the boxes of what it meant to be an adult and felt like that this was not who I was supposed to be um, and had sort of dove into entrepreneurship because of that. And so reading your story about, you know, being trapped in a nine to five um, and getting work done by Wednesday and then, you know, not having stuff to do later. And then getting fired twice um, because you were sort of like balancing who you were. Um, it was really amazing. And uh, I really liked your your definition of confused, meaning that you are asking questions rather than, you know, just um, the people asking you, like, what are you confused about? And you said, you know, I'm really asking questions. I'm trying to grow myself. Um, and so I was wondering, what were the questions that you were asking yourself then? And how did you start answering them? Oh, gosh. Um, honestly, I don't even know what the questions I was asked. I guess the big question back then, which was just like, why? Like, why are we worker bees? Why are we sitting here? Why am I sitting here at this desk, you know, building somebody else's dream? Why do I have to sit here until Friday when all my work is done on Wednesday? Like, why is my time not valued more by people? You know, it was just, I didn't understand if we were doing a job and we were doing it well, how other people controlled and commanded 
what we were to do with our time. Um, you know, like if I had those two days back, I could have been building a business that was helping other people. I was already in an industry that was helping people, but I could have been helping people that was more authentic to me. I just, I just didn't understand, um, this whole mentality that we are told, like, go to school, get a good job and just do that for the rest of your life. That seemed very unsettling to me. Yeah, I think a a lot of our generation would agree. And it was just sort of the template that we were fed our, you know, entire growing up and um, sort of what we just kind of default to. And we're not really sure, you know, what we should be doing. And that's why I really loved the whole idea of being confused because, yeah, we, we just start asking these questions and are trying to figure it out as we go. Yeah. And then every question I asked, I would get answers and I would have five more questions. Yeah. So it it kind of just ended up being the snowball effect. There wasn't, at the time I felt like the word confused was um, suffocating in a room, but then I very quickly realized that it was an asset. It was a strength. Um, It meant that I was alive. Whereas I looked at a lot of the people I had once looked at as mentors and they weren't asking questions and they were miserable in their personal and professional lives. Yeah. What what struggles were you facing in the beginning when you were first starting up with your business and the blog? Um, so, I mean, my business kind of had these two stages where, you know, after I had gotten fired twice in a month, I took two months off, lived the South Florida retired life. <laughs> um, and it was the first time I was just after my 25th birthday. And it was the first time I didn't have any obligations in my entire life. I've been working since I was 13, um, had never taken a break from school, And all of a sudden, here I was a couple months out from my master's degree, having gotten fired. And it was the first time I was really faced with the question of like, who are you and what do you want? And so I decompressed for two months. And then my then boyfriend, now husband was like, "Um, so are you ever going to make money again? Like, (laughs) I know you have savings. I know you like have time until you need to bring in an income. But like, what are you going to do? And so I looked at what the low hanging fruit was initially and realized that I was previously a substance abuse counselor and realized that a lot of my patients were struggling with the transition back into um, the quote unquote real world. They were struggling with basic life skills, how to pay their rent, um, most effective ways to grocery shop, how to like actually update a resume because what they taught us in school was really outdated um, with how quickly technology was moving. And so I wrote out this, you know, 200 page life skills curriculum and then just kind of told my existing network like, hey, I'm not going to go back to being a counselor, but if you need a life skills specialist, I'm happy to come in, run groups or work one on one with any clients that need additional help. And so at that point, like my challenge that I was really facing was just how do I bring in money without having to go back and work for somebody? What's the low hanging mm-hmm. fruit? And after doing that for about a year, you know, it was great. I matched my previous salary from my nine to five and I worked about a third of the amount of time. So by all definitions, it was a successful year, but I realized it wasn't scalable. One of the challenges I was facing was that I was spending a lot of time um, going to and from different facilities to go run these groups where I may have been getting paid, you know, $200 an hour, but I was in the group teaching for an hour and then spending 40 minutes to and from in my car. Um, where all of a sudden, you know, margins and my time was getting devalued very quickly. And then you add in taxes and all that. So I knew it wasn't, you know, scalable. I couldn't clone myself to show up groups. I couldn't clone myself to work with people. 
And I wanted to bring things online. Um, and so I had hired a business coach and I was like, okay, again, like what's the lowest hanging fruit? kind of established myself as this career expert. I had been doing business consulting throughout that year as well. I was like, I guess I'll just brand myself as a career and business coach and started going through that process. And like you mentioned, I very quickly like had a full on panic attack, felt just as miserable and empty as I did in my nine to five. Because once again, I realized I was building some dream and then the blog kind of came in out of nowhere, like you mentioned. Um, and then that came with a whole different set of challenges. So that's why I say my, my happened in like two parts because there was this very hands-on real world, um, in-person part of it. And then the blog came out of nowhere and I had set a rule for myself the first six months with the blog that I was going to monetize it. So I was doing both of these things. I had set up um, both of these platforms, my in-person and my digital life to kind of be growing simultaneously. So if you was testing out blog content in person in these groups, like I was feeling out, okay, millennials are interested in finance topics. Okay. People are interested in career. I was kind of, if you will, like doing market research and getting paid to do it from what right. my company originally started as. Yeah, that that's really smart. And that makes a lot of sense. You also mentioned um, that you had been doing like waitressing um, <laughs> on the side when you were working and that you said that you would be okay with like going back to waitressing. So how did this like help fuel you as you went through that startup phase? Yeah, so love waitressing. Um, I waitressed for seven years. I remember back when I had my nine to five, my boss found out I was still waitressing. She's like, are we not paying you enough? Um, <laughs> I was like, honestly, no, but I'm also doing it because I like it. Um, yeah. But I to we have where I live different. We have what we call season. There's a busy time of the year and then the slow time of the year. And um, because I had a nine to five, they had let me go. So I actually had gotten fired three times in a span of two months. <laughs> um, but they had let me go. They're like, you can come back for season, but like we just, well, and like you're financially okay. Whereas, you know, we have other people that need it more. So I looked at my account and I saw that I had enough money to last me. I got all of my firing out of the way, I think, but in by August. And I knew I had enough money to last me comfortably in my emergency fund where I would not deplete it all by January 1st. And so I knew that if I didn't have a paycheck on the horizon by January 1st, I was going to go back to the restaurant. And I think that allowed me to approach things um, from more of like an abundant mindset to like not be totally cliche, but like I wasn't afraid of where my next paycheck was coming in. I wasn't doing things um, out of desperateness. I was really kind of figuring out like, yes, I need to make money, but like also where are my skills that I can monetize? So it wasn't just about like, okay, let me like hatch this together. It was about actually creating something that was going to provide me long-term value and was going to act as a stepping stone of moving me forward on a new career path so that I didn't just go back to waitressing and being a professional waitress or having to go back to being a counselor. Right. Um, and when you, uh, when you started up the blog, you were calling out the coaching industry pretty hard. Um, 
you know, kind of calling some people quacks and um, saying that they feed you a lot of BS. <laughs> and at the same time, you were building a coaching business um, and saying that, you know, I don't care if my clients read this, this is the reality of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how did you, how did you deal with that sort of imposter syndrome in the beginning? Uh, honestly, I don't think I ever actually sold myself as a coach. I was very much mm-hmm. like, this is honestly what happens behind the scenes. Like you hire a coach, literally anything that they are going to you can find on the internet today. Like they're going to ask you a bunch of like great pointed questions, but guess what? You can go find that on somebody's blog post that is pushing you to be a deeper thinker about yourself. Um, and so I think because I was just like really honest was, I didn't feel like an imposter. Um, I felt like I was actually breaking free of like that whole fake it till you make it and all those different things that they tell you when you're building an online business, because I, I was just really honest about where I was at. I found it very frustrating having worked for over a year one-on-one with people as a counselor to go into the coaching world and just see people demanding such high rates simply because, you know, they work with only five people at a time and, and that was the market demand for their time. And that was something that I was upset about initially years ago. Um, and it's something I actually really understand now, but it took me a long time to get to a place where I understood and respected that it was a lesson I needed to learn over the course of a lot of time, um, with valuing yourself and valuing your worth. But with that said, for me personally, where my values lie, I don't think that there's somebody I can hire for you know, a $10,000 coaching package that I'm going to actually feel like it was worth my money and time personally. Yeah. Um, and I think it's uh, a big thing, um, especially because, you know, so many of them have like their magic bullet or secret sauce or whatever that they're trying to sell. But in reality, we are all just trying to figure it out as we go along. And sure, some of this stuff works for one person, but it may not work for the next and I think that's what I love about the sort of mission that you have with the blog to really help people embrace themselves, you know, find their passions, find their purpose that's true to them and figuring out what that is. Um, and you've stated that, you know, you need a mi- mission statement for your business and a mission statement for your life. And so I'm curious what the mission statement for your life is. Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I need to go back and like rewrite it because I just had a baby like three months ago and I feel like... Yeah. You know, my mission statement for my life was really that of the blog, which is just like embracing more of who I am Um, because so much of it has been this whole, we're taught to, you know, be a chameleon and to dull our brightness in order to let others shine. And, you know, there were so many messages I picked up about myself that led to a lot of like shame and guilt and hiding myself away from others and both even from just my own conscious mind, Um, like really rejecting different parts of myself because I thought that they weren't what people wanted to see, what people wanted to hear uncomfortable. So I couldn't be that way. And so I guess like my mission for life does just come back to that whole embracing more, learning how to embrace more of who I am and showing up that way for people. But I feel like I should probably go back and revisit it now that I have a baby. (laughs) Yeah. It might've changed a little bit. Motherhood changed perspective for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Um, what makes you so passionate about helping millennials in our generation? 
Um, honestly, I think it's, there's a couple of things I have worked with. I, I oh, it's funny. Let me, okay. Rewind. I have a lot of thoughts mm-hmm. on this. Cause I always get asked, asked a lot about generation stuff. Um, it's funny because I would say recently as I, the blog is like my primary focus, but I still do, um, blog and business consulting on the side. And it's so funny because at least once a month I get an email from somebody that's not a millennial. That's like, well, you still work with me even though I'm not a millennial. So I would say (laughs) about a quarter of my actual like consulting clients are not millennials. So I don't know that there was necessarily a passion and I did not plan on becoming this generational expert. It kind of ended up happening um, by accident. I really just identified when I was like 25 and starting all of this, um, or maybe I was 26 at that point. Yeah, I was 26 at that point. Um, I really identified with the stereotypes that were being labeled to millennials, um, the entitlement, the laziness, um, mm-hmm. the lack of direct. And I, I really resonated with them, but like not in this, I think that so often we're quick to say like, no, that's not me. That's not true of our generation. And it is to an extent, but like, there's nothing wrong with that if we're owning it and working on it and integrating it. Um, so for me, I found like a lot of as things kind of developed and started to grow, I realized that millennials got a really bad rap, not because that we were unique in our entitlement or our laziness or any of the other things the media wanted to label us, because all the past generations had their own version of those things too. But for the first time, we were under a magnifying glass. And for the first time, um, I think one of the unique things about our generation is that we're actually okay, or at least more okay than past generations with being vulnerable, with taking ownership of those labels. And I think Gen Z is even more um, evolved than millennials are at like stepping up and kind of saying like, yeah, this is true. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to real, I'm going to be honest and authentic. Um, I think a lot of times older generations would stay in that shame, stay in that guilt, stay in hiding themselves and dulling their brightness because they air their dirty laundry. Nobody wanted to be judged. Um, mm. And so that's mm-hmm. kind of my random millennial passion. <laughs> no, I, I think it's true. And I think it's uh, not so much more like a, a generation gap, but I think just a, a, a change in thinking that we've had. Um, and it, it obviously comes from the way that each generation was raised, but um, we have sort of, you know, seen a different, a different world. And especially with technology and all of that, we have so many more things coming at us that I think the way that we think as a generation has caused us to have this sort of loss of direction or questioning what we want to do with our life, because we realize, you know, we don't have to do the factory work or, you know, the officer work or whatever to, make an income and have a fulfilling life that there's so much more out in the world and we kind of get lost in all of it. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, I think that not having to do the factory work, not having to do these different things, the fact that like we can go ahead and take a step back and like ask ourselves what's our passion and how can we monetize it is a very, very freeing thing. Um, it's also a thing that comes with a lot of pressure on our shoulders. Like how can we actually deliver what we want to deliver? And I think that's why you see so many people coming back to like, 
what are my values? What's my mission? All of these different things. And you see the rise of companies that are focused on like a greater social good um, Mm -hmm. and what it is that you're giving back to others because we realize that this is the time to really serve the collective. Um, Like, I don't know, that little Dickie song that just came out about planet Earth. Like there's so much stuff that's falling on our shoulders to take care of. And I don't think um, that can be taken lightly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the that's one of the beauties of the rise of entrepreneurship that I feel is happening now is I'm sure there's a lot that are just trying to make money, but I think there's even more that are trying to um, make a huge impact or trying to change something significant in the world because we were given these problems. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So I want to go back and ask you um, about, you know, why you started the blog. Like, why was that your... Uh, your choice of medium um, when you began, did you think about monetizing it from the beginning or was it just to get coaching clients or was it simply just to get this stuff out? Um, Honestly, I was seeing red and it was just like, I have no game plan. I'm seeing red. I need to just get these articles live. Like I need people to like see this. Um, I did not have a game plan. I did not know what was going to happen. And I mean, it quickly turned into, because when I launched it, I launched it from the time I came up, bought the domain to publishing it live was a span of two days. Um, And I launched Mm -hmm. it for blog posts. And I had had a small following on Twitter at the time and their response was really positive. And they were like, thank you for finally being honest. Thank you. Like we need more content like this. And so I wasn't expecting such a positive response. And then at the time on a lot of guest contributor articles and one of the articles like went mini viral and had like 25,000 page views in like one day. And I was like, oh, wow, I can actually get traffic to this website. Maybe I right. should like take it seriously. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I wrote out like an editorial calendar to make it organized because I do the opposite of what a lot of people say to do when you're building an online business. Um, people will tell you to niche down. That does not work for as a person. If I have to get really focused on like, okay, I'm only going to write about finance. I would want to gauge, like gouge my eyeballs out. That sounds like my worst nightmare. I hate the feelings of constriction. It's why I hated working a nine to five. Um, I need a constant knowing what I'm passionate about at that time. So I kind of created this whole like some organized chaos. So like even though I was covering all of the topics on the blog, they were all like themed by days of the week. Um, so that way, at least if you're coming for career and entrepreneurship, you need to, you knew to come in on Mondays. If you were coming for like more lighter content, like relationships or home, you'd come in on Wednesdays and Fridays were all about finance. So that way, at least people like there was some rhyme or reason to the massive span of what I was covering. And at the time, like, you know, I had always loved blogging in high school. I had a live journal. Um, I had a therapist a few years earlier that told me to start a blog anonymously just to like share my message. And when I launched the blog, secretly deep down inside, I think that I had hoped I'd be able to grow into a business, but I didn't know like anything about the blogging industry. I didn't know how I was going to monetize it. I didn't know if I'd be able Mm -hmm. to like match my, um, my coaching and consulting works income, a blog, like who was going to come and read that. Right. Yeah. So I know you do, um, a little bit of blog consulting coaching now. How do you, uh, how do you 
coach those people to start out their blog? Do you, you know, keep them in the same sort of way of not niching down completely or what do you tell them? Um, I think everybody's different. So there are some clients who literally just know that they want to have a digital presence, but they don't actually know what services they want to offer yet is. And it's Mm -hmm. super uncomfortable for them. And I tell them that that's okay. And we're going to (laughs) build it anyway, because it doesn't matter what you actually launch your services with because chances time you're rounding out a year of having an online business, your services are going to change anyway. So don't like, don't not get started because you don't know what your offerings are going to be because they're not going to be the same usually in a year anyway. So there's people that I literally just teach them the skills of branding, of marketing, all of these different Mm -hmm. things of web development. So that way, as they get more clarity on what they're building, they can go back and tweak and do things on their own where they don't need to hire anybody. They learn all the skills and practices to keep evolving themselves. Then I have people that are like, I know I want to write about travel, Um, I don't know how to monetize it, but I like, I know I want to travel. Like, how do I go about monetizing it? So we'll start off really niche. Um, and I'll just give them like the exact game plan and roadmap, but I really don't like tell anyone the best way to do anything. Um, I teach them all of the skills that they're going to need and whether they use them then, or they end up going back and using them in a year, that's really up to them. What I've found is that most people they need to find their own way of doing things. And so like, I'm kind of the shortcut hack. I don't need to spend, you know, three years pouring hours and hours and hours of their time searching the internet for all of these different things and doing trial and error. I kind of give them like, here's the quick hack of what you're going to need to do and continue practicing and repracticing as you grow and as you refine. Yeah. What, what are some of those skills? Like, especially for a blog that seems, you know, written word seems to be a little bit of a dying industry. And so what are some of those online presence and blogging skills that you need to stay, you know, in the forefront of what's going on? Um, you know, I feel like the big thing is, I mean, there's so many different things. Obviously mindset plays a big role in it. Like if you think that you're entering a saturated market, um, and you don't value yourself, like you might as well just not even get started. If you're starting for money, you might as well not even get started. So we work a lot on like refining insight, which is a skill in itself. We work on obviously figuring out how to craft like their signature type of like to use your words from earlier, their signature sauce, if you will. So like Mm -hmm. making sure that they know their mission or that they know who they're talking to, how they're talking to them, the values that come through and like, what's that line and all of the content that they're creating that is the connective tissue for their brand. Um, and then obviously like those more tactile skills that everyone wants to know, like how to grow on Instagram, how to grow your blog, like all those types of things. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what are the plans, um, for the future for the confused millennial? Um, (laughs) you know, it's funny. I've been like very anti-future lately. Really? Um, I've been very anti goals for like about a year or so now. I've been very anti looking at the future. Um, I have really just been like focusing on staying present. I I have this thing currently where when about I would say when the blog after the blog turned a year, maybe a year and a half, I had joined like a mastermind group. And it was with some other bloggers and we were all kind of like at the same place in our um, journeys. Some were a little bit further along, some were a little less further along. And I was in the 
mastermind for about a year. And I realized that while my income grew that year, my energy, my mindset, my passion for what I was doing fell dr- drastically. And mm. I think a lot of that had to do is because like everyone was so future focused that it started giving me anxiety and something that's really worked well for me has been, I know someday book. I know someday I want to, um, you know, have my own speaking experience on like a larger level than what I currently do. But when I go ahead and start to try to like plan out these nitty gritty goals of like, how am I get there? I end up just like getting so tunnel vision on them that the fun leaves the room. And for me, everything I do has to have fun in it. Otherwise there's no point in it. Um, I'll go back to working nine to five. Right. And I think that's a a mentality that we have been kind of given. Um, You know, we were taught like get a 4.0 GPA so that you can get into a good school. And then once you're in a good school, like you got to get a good degree and then you got to do good in this and you have to do extracurricular activities and all this stuff. And so we were like pushed to high achieve so much and uh, not take a step back to look at, well, like, am I actually enjoying this? Like, is there, am I enjoying my life around this? Um, I always have a saying with my wife when she is doing something that, you know, maybe she's not enjoying or, um, you know, not enjoying her work or something. I was like, well, is it making you happy? Because at the end of the day, like we can do a million different things. And so what you should be doing should be making you happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, that's a huge thing about looking at the here and now and how is this actually making me feel as I build this out? Yeah. I mean, for me, like in a large way, like my business is totally selfish because it allows me to go in and figure out what part of myself am I hiding from? What part of myself, like, do I want to call forward and really work on? When I launched the podcast um, a year ago, my audience had asked for a YouTube channel, not a podcast. When I pulled them and said, like, what do you Mm. guys want to see from me next year? Podcast was actually lowest on the list and YouTube was number one. And there were some other things in between. Um, But I wasn't ready yet to go ahead and like go on YouTube. I needed to get comfortable with people actually hearing my voice. Whereas like, it's a big difference to sit there and be able to write and gather your thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts that ping pong through my head very quickly. So (laughs) it's hard for me to filter them sometimes in real time when I'm like speaking, if I haven't told that story 5 million times. And the podcast was like the stepping stone that I personally needed. And like I got into YouTube this year and it feels just so much better. And like, I really love it and enjoy it. But like personally, I needed to call self forward first and like stop hiding where people could just hear my voice because my voice was something I was teased at about as a kid. And so like everything really does just come back to more of like who I am. And that's why I say like my business is slightly selfish because I get to just go ahead and like dive into, okay, what area do I want to evolve in now? Yeah. And you're pretty uh, heavy into like work-life balance. I mean, you <laughs> asked yourself, like, how can I create a business around the Ellen schedule? Yes. So, <laughs> tell, tell us about how you manage being an entrepreneur with, you know, being a wife and now being a mother that you just had your daughter recently. 
Yeah. <laughs> I did a day in the life on YouTube video um, with like when my daughter was two months, I'm going to do them once a month so people can just see like the breakdown of how it all ends up happening. Um, That's awesome. Work-life balance is definitely something for me that I've always had such a strong passion for. I think that the idea that our lives are supposed to coexist in different boxes or that like it's an equal division of time is kind of all just like lies that we've been fed. I really think again, like how are you filling up your tank so that you're actually passionate about your life and showing up excited for the day? Like if you're spending only one hour with your kid a day, but you're actually lit up, you're going to be such a better person for that child, a better role model versus the person that's spending eight hours with their kid, but they're slowly dying inside. Um, and, and like, there's no judgment no matter which camp you fall into, but it's just one of those things like, we're taught, I personally forget about what we're taught personally, white knuckled so much of my nine to five because I thought that was the only option available to me. And, you know, mm. I didn't think that I could quit. I didn't know what I was going to do if I wasn't a counselor. Like, what do you do with a uh, master's in counseling if you're not a counselor? Um, and so like when we kind of get stuck in this, I mentality and we start going through our lives like drones, I think that's when we don't have work-life balance. It's not about this division of time. And so for me, like balancing everything is just being really learning to have become really honest with myself. My husband asks me this all the time. What would bring you joy today? Like if I wake up and I'm feeling super anxious or I'm just in a bad mood, he's like, what would bring you the most joy to do right now? And sometimes that's going to the beach. Sometimes that's going and running errands. Sometimes that's watching Ellen. And sometimes that's working and clearing out my inbox. It's like actually inventory of your life and realizing that we have the ability to choose where we're investing our time to increase our levels of joy, to increase. Yeah. You brought up uh, your husband and, you know, communication is really big between you guys. You have a pretty good system. Uh, How do you work through things as both, you know, a married couple, but both being entrepreneurs and, you know, when the business starts to sort of collide with the relationship? (laughs) um I'm like he has a harder time with that than I do because well he's in a position right now his startup um he's been working to get it funded uh for about a year now so he has been more everything kind of falling on his shoulders type of thing um and Mm. he doesn't realize that he lets out this is a conversation we just had like a week ago he would let out these like really heavy sighs throughout the day. And we just moved into a new house and my office is kind of like out in the open. Um, it's not like I don't have my own door anymore. And I would just hear constantly sighing. So I would be like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm like, okay. And then he would like sigh some more. I'm like, you sound like tired. What's going on? And he would just sigh some more. <laughs> and then we're like sitting here trying to hang pictures in like our daughter's room. And he just like flips out and like storms out of the room and then like comes in and like tries to like communicate with me in that way of, oh, I, you know, was feeling really hurt when you did X, Y, and Z. And let me tell you, anyone out there that's listening, that's a a therapy technique that we're taught. I'm feeling blank when you did blank. What I need from you is blank. Back when I was a counselor, I taught that to people all of the time. Here's the thing. Am I allowed to curse on this show? Yes, absolutely. That is complete bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, and like, if you are a business owner, like this is really, really important for tuning in because your employees are going to try to you. Um, your customers try may try to do this to you. You may accidentally do this to people. Every single person is responsible for their own feelings, for their own reality, for their own perception of things. Mm-hmm. He had been like having this internal dialogue of criticizing himself because he um, was kind of stuck, has been stuck in this holding pattern for a long time um, with investors and it blew out sideways onto me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for him, he always says like, it's difficult being married to me because everything I touch turns to gold. Like I'm very, like I, I see something, I go ahead and I teach myself how to do it and I excel in it. And so, you know, when we are using like, a measuring stick to somebody else, even if it is our significant other, we can end up forgetting like we're all on our own paths and what it is that we're recognizing in somebody else is something that we're recognizing in ourselves that we either haven't accepted yet, we haven't given enough time to grow or flourish yet, that we're rejecting. Like there's always something there. And so I would say, like, I, I honestly feel like I just went on to 15 different tangents about communication. <laughs> um, so I would say, like, the big thing is if you are feeling some type of way and, like, you are working on communication with somebody, if you're saying, like, I feel hurt when you did this, the real question then becomes, like, why are you feeling hurt? What's it kicking up for you? Like, why are you calling in this energy or this behavior? Because as entrepreneurs, it's really, really, really important to remember that you are co-creating your reality at all times. So if you keep getting customers or clients that want to nickel and dime you and want you to lower your rates or do payment plans that you don't offer and things like that. That's because there's an energy that you're putting out there. You're saying to the universe, like, hey, I'm not actually worth this. I'm struggling with imposter syndrome. Um, Keep sending me these people to test me to see if I really do value my worth. Like you're calling in everything. And so it's really easy to say like, oh, I feel hurt or frustrated when when these lowball offers keep ending up in my inbox or people don't see my value, but like, are you seeing your value? Are you standing your ground? Are you sticking to your line? So I don't even know if that answered your communication question, but there's a bunch of different nuggets on communication. No. Yeah. I think that's a, that's huge. And a lot of times the communication that you're having, the words that you're putting out there, especially when you are talking to your partner and they are coming from a place of something that you were feeling and something that's been triggered in you um, whether it be from your past or something that you're dealing with in another area of your life. Um, and you kind of just let it fall out on your partner, but mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur, like you let it fall out on your customers too. Like you might realize that, you know, you're not closing as many sales or, you know, getting the business deals that you want or something. And it's often not because of your sales strategy or whatever. It's because somewhere else in your life, something's popping up and it's taking hold of your mind through like out the rest of the day. Yeah. I mean, and like, that was the big thing when it comes to like communication with my husband, I think that was the original question. Right. We spend much time talking about things and, you know, he gets frustrated with me sometimes and I have a, one of my close friends, she does this to me too, so I can feel his pain, but it's like, sometimes we just want to vent and like, we don't realize that when we're venting, we're actually falling back into that victim mentality of like, why are all these things happening to me? And so I always like say like, well, why are you calling that in? Like, why is that the reality that you're perceiving right now? And and that can be like a really frustrating way to constantly like challenge yourself and live your life. But 
Um, I will say like when you actually do sit with those kind of questions, I feel like a punch in the gut of like, well, you're calling this in right now. Why? That is where your growth is going to happen. That's where your evolution going to happen. And so when it comes down to communication, there it's just every conversation is an opportunity for growth. Uh, it's an opportunity to learn. It's an opportunity to evolve. Um, and so the more honest we can get in those exchanges, the better off we are. Yeah. And you, you bring up this idea of, um, you know, things happening to you or you getting to do something and looking at that dynamic or how is this you know, helping me grow. How's this being a catalyst in my life? And you had a, uh, an experience when you were, um, in high school, um, with substance abuse and, um, the drunk driving accident. And I was just curious of how you felt that has been a catalyst in your journey so far. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say it's interesting. I don't know that anyone's actually asked me that or anyone's ever asked me that question on a podcast yet. You know, now, I was 17. I was struggling with so many different things. I was struggling, you know, childhood that was abusive. I was like this, you know, overachiever type A, thought I had to be a certain way in order to make people happy. Like I thought I was never like funny enough, pretty enough. And so like I just kind of kept trying to check off all these boxes on paper and what that really led me to was just like hurting myself. It started off with disordered eating. It went to abusing alcohol and um, ultimately getting into a, a car accident that took the lives of two people. And I always, I remember I was in therapy probably like when I was 18, a year after the accident. And the therapist said to me, like, who would you have been had your car accident not happened? And I took a step back and I realized like I would have stayed this shallow, you know, vapid people pleaser that was dying on the inside that was literally killing herself um, because I didn't have the tools. I didn't think that anything else was possible in life. And, you know, the car accident for me you know, one of the questions I get asked a lot is like, how do you move on from something like that? And, you know, I remember I, I had asked one of my professors in undergrad, like, what book should I read? <laughs> Help me get through this. And, and she right. had told me to read Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I remember that was such like a big thing because what he said, essentially, if you haven't read the book, about a survivor um, from the Nazi concentration camps. He was a psychologist. And what he realized that the survivors of the Holocaust fell into two camps. Number one was luck. Sometimes it was just whether or not you got told to go into the right line. But all of the survivors were still living. They had found meaning. And um, for me, I decided I was going to live my life in a way that the couple who passed away could look down and know they didn't die in vain. They could know that me continuing my life was going to help others, that it was going to lead to a positive impact far greater than what we could all have imagined. Um, and that was kind of like the driving force of so many of my decisions of getting my degree in counseling, um, of like my mission statement and of helping people embrace more of who they are. Because the big thing with when we don't embrace who we are, 
we stay in a victim mentality. And that same therapist had taught me too. She was also um, a colleague later on and, and just one of my greatest mentors. She taught me all victims become perpetrators. And that's exactly what had happened with my car accident. I had watched my biological father turn into a monster when he drank and never, ever wanted to cause anyone pain like that. When I was drinking, it was to escape my thoughts and to escape my feelings and to just go into this oblivion because I couldn't handle hurt anybody else. And sure enough, all victims become perpetrators. The victim of alcoholic abuse ended up doing that and so when we can go ahead and actually embrace who we are and live our authentic truths, like what I found, I thought there was a point in my life that I would be on medication forever. I thought, okay, like, you know, the psychiatrist diagnosed me um, with dysthymic disorder, which basically he said he believes I had had depression since I was four years old. And that wow. um, in high school, I, another essentially like I had depression of depression. And I thought, okay, like I just have a chemical imbalance. I'm ever going to be depressed. I'm forever going to have to deal with these panic attacks. And I ended up getting off of medication years ago in my um, like early to mid twenties. And I ended up learning like all these other tools to live my life and be more balanced. But the big thing that like really changed was I finally stopped hiding who I was. I finally started living Mm -hmm. my truth. And there's an episode on my podcast where I talk with um, one of my dear friends, Shaman Durek, who is a phenomenal shaman. He's uh, very well known. He's like Gwyneth Paltrow shaman and all these other like fancy LA people (laughs) that are like really into the spirituality community. But we talk about the shamanic perspective on mental health, um, where where depression comes from, bipolar comes from, all these different things from the shamanic perspective, which um, was very different than what my training is as a mental health counselor, but makes so much more sense to me than much like what we've talked about, okay, you know, we're taught to be worker bees and to go and build somebody else's dream and this type of stuff. The mental health um, landscape is essentially the exact same. Okay, you have anxiety, you're going to have anxiety forever. You now have a label on you, you're going to have that forever. And I just mm-hmm. haven't found that to be true um, with my myself and with others who have actually taken the time to say, I'm more than this label, I'm more than this diagnosis. How can I get back to who I really am? So I'm not an astrologer, but I have had astrologers on my podcast before and I am friends with them. And I think there's this big, I know there's something happening in the stars right now where a lot of people are being like woken up and called to find their deeper purpose and deeper meaning. Um, like, I don't know how, um, spiritual and like what your audience's belief systems are essentially. But for me personally, like, I believe that we, we sign up for the lives that we come back with. We sign up for whatever hardships we're experiencing um, to learn these different lessons from our lives. So I think a lot of us are here right now trying to understand more of who we are so that we can also go ahead and really help the collective. Like we've talked about like earlier in this podcast right now, the fate of our planet really falls on our shoulders. And if we aren't interested in the collective good and by that we have to be interested in healing ourselves you know, what are we really going to end up being left with? What are future generations really going to be left with? So I just think there's this big um, existential crisis happening in our world, if you will. Yeah. Where do you think that leaves us as a generation, like specifically, you know, the millennials, where do you think we're going? (sighs) 
I think there's two camp. There's a few different. I mean, it's hard to always generalize an entire generation. Um, I see part of our generation as just being very much okay with putting the blinders on, living the status quo, like um, not all of past generations, but the majority of past generations have been. Um, I also see part of our generation saying like, okay, you know what? This is my cause. This this is what I'm here for. This is what I'm going to care about. Um, this is what I'm going to try to help evolve and like push forward and leave my impact and making sure that this is a good thing. Um, and I see more and more people jumping into that camp. And I see that even more so with the younger generation, Gen Z, you know, like there was just, um, the valedictorian at BYU came out as gay, which if you know anything about BYU, that is, a huge a thing deal, to do. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so I think we're starting to see more and more people. And, and that's where I think there's beauty in social media is we're starting to see more and more people take a step outside of the box, take a risk and become trailblazers for others. Um, you know, I, I remember back like there was this whole thing um, after like my car accident happened. The adults all around me, so old me, do not talk about it. Don't tell people about it. I'll never forget like I was getting LASIK eye surgery because my mom wanted me to be able to open my eyes and see before I went to jail. And the LASIK eye surgeon doctor was like, so why are you getting LASIK now? I was like, because I'm going to jail in a few months and my mom <laughs> wants to make sure I don't get shanked in the middle of the night. And he's like, uh, and like, that's not something I think older generations will just like openly talk about. Right. And in doing that, you know, what are we really saying? Like we're keeping the fact that like felons and criminals are these scary people that we need to lock our kids away from. And like, yes, there are those people that exist, but guess what? There are those people that exist and we're never arrested for it either. Um, and I think like for me coming out and like talking about like my car accident and everything had to do with the fact that I had realized so much over the last decade, over a decade now, how afraid people are of felons, how afraid people are of those who have gone into our jails and prison systems. And there's so much judgment there. And that's really, really toxic because there's like this saying out there that uh, what, we're the sum of the five people we spend our most amount of time with. Right. And if we have people that are ending up in our prison systems and our criminal systems um, and they're just focused on, okay, well, this is as good as my life can get. This is what everyone around me is doing. That's when we have recidivism. That's when we have people re-entering the jails, the prison systems. That's where our tax dollars are going um, for petty theft and, you know, petty drug charges and things like that. And so, you know, it's about taking these things that we've been purposely shamed for and going ahead and using them as a platform to come out and speak out about so that people realize like, no, you're more than this. You're more than just like, okay, you're a felon. Nobody's ever going to want to hire you, you again. Okay. You're gay. You know, your, your God is going to turn their back on you. Like that's not the case for any of these things. And if we're not speaking out about it and if we're not being honest with ourselves and others, we're lowering our ability as a society to move forward. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Well, before I get to my last question, um, where can people find you online? Uh, the Confused Millennial, uh, theconfusedmillennial.com on Instagram, on the podcast, pretty much everywhere. Millennial has two N's. I know people misspelled out a lot. 
Yeah, two N's, two L's. It's a it's a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my last question is, how can we all help to push the world to evolve? Oh gosh, I feel like that's what we've been talking about this whole time. Um, <laughs> honesty, um, diligent honesty with ourselves, with others. I'll never forget um, that mastermind group I had mentioned earlier, one of the girls in it who was only a year younger than me. So I was 28 at the time. She was 27. She was like, I'm a finished product. I'm done. I'm good. And I remember just like my heart falling. I'm like, that means like, you're never going to take an inventory of yourself again. You're not going to, you know, see what's working and what's not working for you. And I think that that if that's where you're at in your life, um, where you're not going to be honest with yourself about what your judgments are, your shortcomings are, your biases are, then why are you like continue? Like, what is it that your, your mission in life is like, that's such mm-hmm. an empty way to go. And I'm not saying like, if you don't have the answers to those questions to like mm-hmm. end your life, that's not at all what I'm saying, even though it maybe sounded like that for a second, that's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying like, how can you find joy back into your life so that you do want to be honest with yourself? Because whatever it is you're hiding from, whatever that shame is, like you have to release its power over you. And the only way to do that is to own it, to go ahead and shine a light on it. Like when we share what our greatest burden is, you know, we get to take um, a piece of this heavy brick on our shoulders and give it to somebody else to carry and give it to somebody else to carry and give it to somebody else to carry. And then before we know it, like the collective, we're all carrying it together and it doesn't feel as heavy because we're all working together to move forward. And the only way to do that is through honesty. Yeah, that that whole self-evolution before you, um, you know, be the change that you want to see in the world. I think that's crucial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, and we have seen it. And I feel, I just want to like to put it out there. Like I'm not knocking. I feel like I always like ended up putting put in this like millennial spokesperson role. <laughs> um, like I'm not knocking older generations. I think that their impact was also just far less seen than what we see today, which led to a lot more jail cells of shame, mental jail cells of shame um, and secrecy and things like that because we weren't, you know, exposed to a different culture by just like getting on YouTube. Um, So I just want to like throw it out there that I'm not knocking (laughs) anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Rachel, for coming on the show. It's been a great interview and having you on today. Thank you so much for having me. Hey you, yes you, I want to thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, then please open up your podcast app, rate and review. That's really going to help get this life-changing content out to more entrepreneurs just like you who are pushing the world forward. As always, my friend, keep evolving.